So how did these differing opinions on timeout come to exist? And what does the research say? Is timeout an effective discipline strategy or could it be potentially harmful to children? Hi everyone, welcome to the Parenting Translator Newsletter. I'm Dr. Kara Goodwin, and today I'm gonna be talking about the timeout controversy. So today's newsletter is going to be a deep dive into the research behind whether timeout works and how it impacts emotional development and attachment. So as a new parent, the gentle parenting movement was very appealing to me. Although my training as a psychologist and a researcher did not really focus on gentle parenting, since this approach as a whole hasn't really been researched, I read books and blogs about gentle parenting and wholeheartedly endorsed the underlying concepts, which are being empathetic and responsive to our children's needs and prioritizing the parent-child relationship. Like many parents, I wanted above all else to raise kind and compassionate children, and I hoped that the gentle parenting approach would help me to achieve this goal. However, I was surprised to learn that some of the specifics of gentle parenting ran counter to my training as a psychologist. One particularly controversial difference is that gentle parenting tends to oppose timeout. And timeout is a practice that I had used frequently in my training as a psychologist, since it is part of nearly every research-backed parenting program. In my clinical work, I had seen firsthand that timeout could be a helpful tool for many families. However, as a parent myself, I was initially unsure about whether timeout would be right for our family. Before having my second child, I felt no need to use timeout. Redirection and emotional coaching seemed to be enough for my toddler and our family. However, after having my second child, I often found myself in the very difficult situation of my two-year-old being aggressive with her baby brother. Although I knew this reaction was entirely developmentally normal, these situations were still very upsetting for me as a parent. Um, Someone had just hurt my baby. And it didn't matter that it was my other baby who did it. I was angry. I needed a minute to calm down and tend to the baby before being able to handle the situation with my two-year-old in a calm and effective way. I decided to try timeout. I would tell my toddler very calmly, you hit your brother, so that's timeout. And I would take the time to calm myself and the baby down. After this very brief separation, she was in a chair only a few feet away from me for just a few minutes. I felt ready to handle my toddler and be the calm and patient parent that I wanted to be. After starting time out, her aggressive behavior toward the baby also reduced to the point that it rarely happened, and our relationship seemed to improve as the most stressful moments of my parenting became fewer and farther between. Even with these positive changes, though, I couldn't help but experience a nagging feeling that maybe I was harming her or that I had somehow failed in my ability to be a gentle parent. Six years later, I still use timeout to handle any instances of sibling fighting in my house. I find it allows everyone, including myself, to calm down and figure out what happened. It prevents me from losing my cool and yelling and allows my children a chance to separate from each other in order to calm down themselves. I now have the confidence to believe it is the right choice for my family, but occasionally I see a social media or a blog post about timeout that makes me feel shameful and question this approach, even as an experienced parent. So how did these differing opinions on timeout come to exist? And what does the research say? Is timeout an effective discipline strategy, 
or could it be potentially harmful to children? So first, we're going to dig into the history of timeout. So the concept of timeout, which is short for timeout from positive reinforcement, was developed by a psychologist named Arthur Statz in the 1960s. It was created as an alternative to spanking and other forms of physical punishment, which were very popular at the time. This was the spare the rod, spoil the child era. Um, The idea was that children would be briefly removed from a rewarding or stimulating environment when they showed a particular challenging behavior like aggression. Timeout is short for two things, timeout from positive reinforcement and a timeout to calm down. So first, timeout from positive reinforcement. So what this means is that when you take away positive reinforcement, which is really anything in the environment that feeds into or encourages the behavior, such as toys, parents, and sibling attention, um, or a fun activity, the behavior will occur less frequently. This principle can only be applied when the parent provides a positive environment at all other times. So that means attention, positive interactions, enriching activities at other times. Basically, most of the child's time with the parent is fun, warm, and stimulating. Um, And when a challenging behavior arises, the child has to take a bit of time away from these things, which can be boring. This behavioral principle works for adults as well. So for example, imagine that your phone died while you're waiting in line at the DMV. It would be boring, but tolerable, and you would likely be more motivated to charge your phone before the next DMV appointment. Timeout is like this, not meant to cause suffering, but just to be very boring. Second, timeout can also refer to a timeout to calm down. Sometimes time and space is truly needed to calm an overstimulated brain that is not making positive choices. A short break allows the child to calm down so they can re-enter the interaction more successfully. Taking a break from an emotionally charged situation is an important skill to learn in order to manage emotions as an adult. So there's a seminal research study in adults that found that sitting quietly reduces anger to a greater extent than expressing it. So this is very different than our ideas that we have about anger. There are also similar findings in adult relationship and marriage research that shows that when conflict reaches a certain level, more processing and engaging with the other person can be counterproductive. And evidence-based marriage interventions like the Gottman method recommend that each adult take 20-minute break from each other, which is kind of like an adult timeout. And research finds that this type of adult timeout helps adults to stay calm and be less aggressive. So research in the 70s and 80s looked a lot at timeout, and they found that it was very effective at reducing problematic behavior in children. In the 1990s and the 2000s, timeout was included in many parenting intervention programs. So these are programs designed to improve um, parenting, which then improves the parent-child relationship and the child's behavior. As study after study consistently supported the use of timeout, It began to be recommended by nearly all pediatricians and mental health professionals. It's unclear exactly when the opposition to timeout began, but it may have originated in 2014 when Dr. Dan Siegel and Dr. Tina Bryson, um, the authors of The Whole Brain Child, wrote an article for Time Magazine called Timeouts Are Hurting Your Child. In this article, they argue that timeouts are experienced as rejection by children. 
They assert that misbehavior in children is also often a cry for help calming down and a bid for connection. They also argue that timeouts make children angrier and more dysregulated, which makes it harder for them to reflect on their behavior. Instead, they suggest that parents use time in, which involves sitting with the child and talking or comforting them. In this article, they back up these claims with a brain imaging study. They state that in a brain scan, relational pain that caused by isolation during punishment can look the same as physical abuse. However, when we look at the actual study they are referring to, it only includes adults. And the adults in the study did not experience isolation during punishment, but they were left out of a virtual ball throwing game. The researchers found that social exclusion during the video game was associated with activation of a part of the brain called the anterior cingulate cortex. So this brain region has been found in the past to be activated for physical pain, but also for other things like problem solving and the processing of all emotions. So this study found that adults who are left out of a video game show brain responses that might be related to some type of pain or emotional responses, but it's unclear. While interesting, it is hard to understand how this study might be applied to timeout, and we definitely need further research before making any conclusions about how timeout might impact the brain. So Dr. Siegel and Dr. Bryson later clarified this article by saying that they were only referring to timeouts, which were conducted in harsh or punitive ways. So they wrote a follow-up piece, which of course didn't get as much attention, but in this follow-up piece, they say they actually support the use of timeout when it is used infrequently, calmly, and with lots of support and connection and positive support. They explain that the appropriate use of timeout calls for a brief, infrequent, previously explained breaks from an interaction used as part of a thought-out parenting strategy that is followed by positive feedback and connection with a parent. They added that this seems not only reasonable, but it is an overall approach supported by the research as helpful for many children. But despite their retraction, the movement against timeout continued. And a research study in 2014 found that 30% of websites on timeout claim that timeout is either potentially harmful or ineffective. Um, these researchers also found that most websites, 75%, contain contradictory information on timeout and there is no, they found no websites providing information on how to implement timeout, according to research. At the same time, timeout continues to be recommended by most psychologists and pediatricians, as well as the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. So what does the research actually find on timeout? So first, does timeout actually improve behavior? So first, research finds that timeout works in terms of improving children's behavior. Decades of high-quality research finds that timeout is effective at addressing challenging behavior in children ages three to seven years. Timeout is included in nearly every research-backed parenting program, including Triple P, Parent-Child Interaction Therapy, The Incredible Years, Helping the Non-Compliant Child, and Parent Management Training. Many experimental studies have found that timeout decreases sibling fighting, reduces noncompliance and oppositionality, meaning not listening when your parents ask you to do something, and decreases the frequency of aggression and destruction of property. 
More importantly, randomized controlled trials, which are the gold standard research design, find that timeout is very effective at increasing children's compliance to demands, meaning listening to what you ask them to do, and reducing fighting and behavior problems like aggression and destruction of property. These randomized controlled trials need to be given significant weight as they are the highest level of scientific evidence. They go beyond simply showing us that two things are correlated, meaning associated with each other, and allow us to conclude that parenting programs that include timeout actually cause these positive behavior changes. So does timeout cause harm in any way? So many parents are not worried about only whether timeout improves behavior, but also whether it causes emotional harm to their children and how it might impact the parent-child relationship. So a 2020 study addressed this very question by examining the impact of timeout on children's long-term social and emotional development. So the researchers found in the study that when parents used timeout, their children were not more likely to show signs of anxiety or depression, aggression, rule-breaking behavior, or difficulties with self-control. Timeout was also not associated with any impact on creativity or differences in how the children interacted with their parents or the parent-child relationship. Older and smaller studies have addressed this question as well. Um, One study, including families from China, India, Italy, Kenya, Philippines, and Thailand, found that the frequency of timeout was associated with increases in mother-reported levels of child anxiety, but not with child-reported anxiety, and was not linked to any differences in either mother-reported or child-reported aggression. It is important to note that in both of these studies, the researchers did not train parents in how to implement timeout or measure whether timeout was used appropriately. Um, And the second part of this newsletter will discuss exactly how to implement um, timeout according to research. Therefore, this research suggests that timeout, even as implemented by most parents, which is not the way recommended by research, is not associated with negative outcomes. It is also striking that very different results were found in both studies for harsh discipline tactics, such as spanking or physical punishment, yelling and expressing disappointment, um, such as saying you are disappointed in your child or that their behavior hurt your feelings, um, which were linked to aggression in children in both studies. Now you might be thinking these studies are correlational. So how do we know that timeout doesn't actually cause any harms? Um, Fortunately, we also have research suggesting that parenting programs that include timeout do not cause harm and often cause positive changes in children's mental health. So randomized controlled trials of parenting programs um, that include timeout. So randomized controlled trials are the gold standard of research designs, and they actually allow us to look at cause and effect. And they found that these programs were not uh, were, were effective in not only reducing behavioral problems, but also in improving children's mental health. So specifically, children who complete these programs with timeout show fewer symptoms of anxiety and depression and are less likely to show emotional problems. A recent non-randomized controlled trial also found that a parenting program that included timeout improved children's mental health. Research that looks at different components of these programs has also found that teaching parents timeout in particular was associated with more positive child and parent outcomes. So in other words, programs that included timeout were found to be more effective in improving parent-child interactions than programs that did not. Research also finds that parents 
show less harsh, harsh punishments after learning timeout through one of these programs. However, it's very important to mention that timeout has rarely been studied outside of the context of these parenting programs. And therefore, we do not know um, if timeout would have these positive outcomes when it was not being used with other positive parenting strategies. So this is consistent with the very definition of an evidence-based timeout um, because all evidence-based programs specify that timeout should only be used with positive parenting strategies. So what about how timeout impacts attachment? A parenting program that includes timeout has been developed specifically for children at risk for attachment problems by a leading attachment researcher. Research on this program has found improved attachment security in the children who completed this program, which includes a component on teaching parents how to implement timeout. The newsletter has a link to a meta-analysis, which includes 25 randomized controlled trials of this program. Based on attachment theory, we know that separations from parents are an important part of any attachment relationship. In fact, a secure attachment is characterized by regular separations that allow the child to develop important independent skills, followed by a reunion with the caregiver. As long as the child knows the, the separations are temporary and they are predictable, there is no reason to think they would damage the attachment relationship. In the context of timeout, if parents are able to explain timeout to their child in advance, stay calm, use timeout in a consistent and predictable manner, and have a positive reunion with their child after timeout, there is no reason to think it would damage the attachment relationship. Parents should also consider whether by not using timeout, they are actually showing more unpredictable behavior. For example, parents who do not use timeout may be very patient and emotionally validating the first few times a child shows challenging behavior in a day, and they may, then may eventually yell at the child when it keeps happening. This type of unpredictable parent responses may be worse for the attachment relationship. On the other hand, some parents may show more unpredictable um, behavior when using timeout. They may calmly implement timeout in some situations, but angrily implement timeout when they become dysregulated, using tactics such as physically forcing their child to stay seated. Um, and in this case, timeout may have a negative impact on the parent-child relationship. So what about time-in? The gentle parenting movement often recommends time-in as an alternative to timeout. And this term is a little confusing because in the research, time-in refers to any time a child is not in timeout meaning any normal interactions between a parent and child. However, as the movement against timeout has gained traction, the term time in has been co-opted to be an alternative to timeout when the parent is present with the child, validating their emotions and helping them to calm down. Yet research has yet to study whether time in is an effective method. When methods have not been researched, it doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It only means that we have no evidence that it does. If it works for you and your child, it doesn't matter that it's not supported by research and you should continue to use time in. However, if it is not working for you and your child, you should feel free to use another approach without guilt. There is research supporting emotional validation, and this is called emotion coaching, but emotion coaching should ideally be used when the child is calm and not immediately after a challenging behavior. Emotion coaching is more of a general approach to discussing and empathizing with your child's emotions. And randomized control trials have found that emotion coaching is effective at reducing problem behaviors. However, research also finds that emotion coaching may be more effective for children 
older than eight years, while behavioral parent training, which is the type of program that uses timeout, may be more effective for children under eight years. So if opting to use timeout, there are a few things you want to be careful of. First, individual differences matter. Um, the idea of co-regulation has been oversimplified in popular parenting culture. Co-regulation, as defined by the research, has nothing to do with being physically close to your child or verbally processing when your child is upset. One child might co-regulate beautifully next to their parent saying, I'm here, buddy, I got you, while another child might scream that they want and need space and are only increasingly agitated by their parents' attempts to time in. A second potential problem with time in is that parents may unintentionally end up paying more attention to children when they show challenging behaviors like aggression and yelling than positive behaviors like being kind, helping, playing independently, which then increases the frequency of the challenging behavior and decreases the frequency of the positive behaviors. This could create a vicious cycle in which challenging behaviors become so frequent that the parent eventually loses patience and resorts to harsh and ineffective parenting strategies. In addition, time-in will only work if you can stay calm as a parent. If you are distressed, it is hard to effectively coach your child through their own distress. So should I use timeout? So as with all parenting decisions, you can use the research as a guide, but ultimately you are the parent, you as the parent are the only one who knows what's best for your child and your family. Timeout is an effective tool that parents may or may not choose to use. And this decision should not be based on fear or misinformation, but rather guided by your intuition, values, and knowledge of your specific child and family. If it does not feel right to you as a parent to use timeout, then it's important to know that the research does not indicate that you must use timeout in order to be effective parent. Although research has yet to find any clear harms of timeout, research is always limited and it only gives us insight into what works best for the average child. Just because research has not been found to show a negative impact of timeout, it still could not be right for your child or fit with your own individual approach to parenting. For example, if your child responds better to caregivers being close and providing verbal coaching and comfort, or if this brief separation doesn't feel right to you as a parent, timeout might not be the best strategy for you, and you should trust your own intuition about what is right for your family. Even in light of this research finding no harms of timeout, it's also important to remember the limitations of timeout. Timeout doesn't teach your child what to do instead of challenging behavior, and it does not teach them about emotions. This is why timeout is never taught in isolation. Most of the parenting programs that include timeout also promote improving parent-child relationship first and teaching children emotional regulation skills. Therefore, timeout should only be used in the context of other positive parenting skills, such as emotion coaching, teaching coping strategies, and other appropriate skills, and focusing on a positive relationship between parent and child. We also need more research on timeout, including further research examining the long-term impacts of timeout. If you are using these positive parenting skills and you would like to try timeout occasionally, you can add timeout to your parenting toolkit without any guilt. Timeout may be particularly helpful at times when you might be at risk of using more harsh discipline strategies. Um, research consistently finds that harsh discipline tactics such as yelling or physical punishment are associated with increased mental health symptoms in children. If timeout gives you and your child a chance to calm down before you resort to these strategies, it might make sense. You can also use timeout and still use gentle parenting strategies that are backed by research, such as emotional validation, empathy, and positive attention. 
And despite how it's depicted in social media, parenting is not black and white, and it is really up to you to determine what is right for your child and your family. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Parenting Translator newsletter. Please um, continue to tune in for more research back tips for parents. Later this week, I will be publishing an episode on how to use timeout according to research. So stay tuned for that as well. Parenting Translator is a nonprofit organization, so all of these podcasts and the information they provide are given to you for free. If you would like to support our work, please subscribe to this podcast and rate and review it. Thank you so much.